Cool. Well, today we are back into kind of our first full flight day for the year. So we've had like a summer series going on and we had a barbecue last week. And so in our little summer series where we're having short gatherings, uh, Nick did a message and Alex did a a message uh, from the Psalms. So today, as we kind of head back into the year with our usual sort of Sundays, I am just going to talk a little bit about our story. And so you may know of a famous whakatauki, um, Kamua Kamudi. And I've used this a bit before, and Kamua Kamudi is about looking backwards as we walk forward into the future. So letting our past inform our future. And we are young, but we're coming up five years old. Halfway through this year. Hasn't that gone fast? (laughs) So I thought it would be a good way to just start our year as we are continuing forward to um, look a bit backwards and just look at a little snippet of our story. And so as we do that, I'm going to zoom out and look at the bigger picture of the story that we're in before I zoom back into us here, um, Kurimakoa. So we are part of the Worldwide Church And the Worldwide Church has been going for over 2,000 years since Pentecost. And so we are a part of that. And so just for a bit of definitions, when I talk about the church, when I say the church, I'm talking about the church sort of capital C, the, the bigger picture that we are part of. And I'd probably refer to, if I'm talking about us, I'll call us our name, I'll say um, us as a church as part of, yeah, the bigger church. And then as well as that, part of the story that we are in is we are part of the Vineyard um, movement of churches, which came about in the 1970s with a um, group of hippies, if you read up, <laughs> on the Vineyard's origins. And um, you'll see how some of our fashions have rewound to the 70s. We've got, you know, not Sam today, but we do, don't we, have tight-shirted, bearded worship leaders again. They've made a comeback. <laughs> and then if we come a little bit closer to the home, we are also part of the church story here in Aotearoa. Um, and God has been here since the, um, the beginnings, hasn't he? Uh, but in more recent history... With Māori and Pākehā, the the church really started to be birthed, um, maybe significantly, in the first preaching of the gospel on Christmas Day in 1815. And we have a um, a story of the gospel here in Papuoya as well. So John Wimber, who is one of the founders of the vineyard, this is him on the keyboard here. Um, He had a saying that I often hear quoted in the vineyard, and it's, I think I've got it. When it comes to the church, the vineyard is just one vegetable in the stew. Not one is better than the other, but all are needed to bring the best flavour. And what he meant by that is that it takes a whole bunch of us, doesn't it, to bring our contributions to the kingdom and bring beautiful flavour. 
And here at Korimako, we have a unique contribution and flavour. Um, and that's been formed by the Holy Spirit and those that have gathered with us and joined with us as a church whanos we've gone on over these last four and a half years. So some of you uh, may be quite familiar with our story, some of you a little bit familiar, and some of you might know much at all. So as we go backwards to go forwards into this year, I thought I would tell a bit of our story about how we got our name today. Look a little bit at that. And so in 2018, um, as we were on a church planting journey and going towards um, planting a church, which we did officially in 2019, and we had begun to form around the fellowship around the table, um, around our shared love of Jesus, around our shared love of food, and lots of of whakamoimati, praise and thanksgiving, worship. And out of this time, uh, we felt God um, call us into a vision and values, and, and Nick um, touched on some of that in one of his um, end-of-the-year messages. If you want to um, rewind back through the podcast, you can listen to a bit of that. But we also needed a name. And names are significant, aren't they? And we wanted to have a Māori name. We thought that would be really cool. Um, that really lined up well with our values and stuff that we'd been talking about that was important to us. So what we did is that we got in touch with uh, Wiramu and Trius Te Aweawe. They are kaumatua um, from the Rangatane iwi, our local iwi here in Papaioia. And we arranged to meet up with them and we had a, um, a chat and said just what we were thinking and that we would love to have a Māori name, would they help us with this? So they were really lovely, um, very obliging and met with us and said that they'd love to help us. And they said, why don't you guys go away, um, chat to your people, get everyone praying and then we'll come and meet up. And we put a date down, I think it was about six weeks later, they wrote us in their little diary and rewrote it down. And so that's what we did. We let everybody know to start praying, to start listening for a name. And out of this time came the name Kurimakua. And, and it was the only suggestion. So we sat on this and asked Holy Spirit to speak to us about it. And you may know that the Kurimakua is the native bellbird. And as their name suggests, they are famous for their beautiful song. So immediately it resonated. Uh, as I had mentioned, our beginnings were Jesus, food, whakamoimati, praise, thanksgiving, worship. Um, at the time, and it still is, Psalm 100 was something that was really meaningful to us as we were gathering well, there's the korimako. So Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So the Kurimako, they form a really significant part of the Dawn Chorus. And this is something that was noted uh, by um, early English adventurers, botanists, and they've got some of their recordings. And um, one of them wrote in his journal about when he was having an explore and adventure through the forest, through the bush here. Um, he made note of the Kurimako and he said, the sound worth noticing was the beautiful melody towards morning as he stayed in the forest overnight. The beautiful sound of the bellbirds, thousands of these were singing. All together, the sound seemed to arrange itself into scales, like peals of bells running down octaves. As the sun rose, the music ceased altogether. And I really loved the imagery that came with that, that the kurimakoa was singing and pointing all who would hear towards the sun. And then as the first rays of the sun came up in the morning, they all, in unison, just stopped and gave way to the sun. Um, in Māori, there are 20 names for the kurimako. So kurimako is just one. So you may read a, a whakatauki or something and there will be multiple names for the um, kurimako. I think um, one of the whakatauki you, um, you may know was, a, I can't remember it off by heart in Māori, but it's the one, what is the most important thing? Yes. The people, the people, the people. He tangata, he tangata, he tangata. And that whakatauki talks about um, if the heart of the harakeke was pulled out, where would the kamoka, kamoka, I think, was the other word they used for kurimakoa, where would the bellbird sing? And that whakatauki, I'm going off script here, but that whakatauki is about um, looking after the children and the future generations because in the middle, in the more vulnerable part of the harakeke, the flax um, symbolises the new growth, um, the new generations, the mokopuna. So if we take out the heart of the harakeke, the, the harakeke will die and there will be nowhere else for the kurimako to sing. So it's about looking after our future generations. But back on track, the kurimako, there's many names for the kurimako. I was even talking with Tui um, this morning in Mal about our P waka waka friend. Has he gone? Wow. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that there's multiple names that iwi often have different names for different birds or um, species in the area. And so the kurimako is, follows the same thing. And there's a saying in Māori that says, Herite ki te kōpara, e konei te ata. It is like the bellbirds singing at dawn. And what this saying means is it would be said of someone who was a graceful speaker or a beautiful singer. That's what that saying is about. 
So Kurimako was speaking to us of Fakamoimati. Beautiful worship and praise and thanksgiving. And we are born to be worshippers. Our number one calling that God invites us to. Um, out of John 4.23, is to be worshippers. He's looking for worshippers. In the Westminster Catechism, it asks, what is the chief end of man? What is the point of man? And the answer that it answers in the Catechism is man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So these were some of the things that we prayed on, that we felt God speaking to us, and that we pondered on. And so when it was time to meet back up with the Te Aweawis, we brought some of this stuff to them and we chatted about it. Um, they didn't actually have any suggestions for us. They just wanted to hear what we had come up with. And they gave us lots of questions. And then they said, that's the one. So here we are, we're Kurimakoa. And it was um, really special as well on our official launch day. Um, we had Bridget Tiawiawi from Rangatane and also from Hope Vineyard um, and our whanau of churches to come and pray a blessing over us as we stepped out into embodying um, Whakamoimati as Korimako Vineyard. And just the second half um, of our, just a snippet of our story that I wanted to share uh, is the why. We had this a vision that we felt God was calling us into. We had values that was giving us flavour. Um, we had a name. And we were also get, uh, getting asked, why? Why plant a church? And especially, why plant a church in Palmerston North? Don't we have lots of churches? We came across this a lot. The church is God's rescue plan. That's one of the reasons why. There's no plan B. Uh, we serve a God who wants to work with us and through us. And in Ephesians 4, Paul calls for the unity of, church, of the church to build the church, to grow the church. And not just numerically. Um, Paul's not wanting the church just to grow in numbers because that looks cool. But because he has encountered Jesus, the hope of the world. And through Jesus, the church is the hope of the world. And what something, when I was preparing this set, I came across that was quite interesting um, in a faith and belief study that was actually from last year. Um, the top reason that someone would be attracted to faith and Jesus is a near-death experience. That is number one. That is pretty, yeah, that speaks for itself, yeah. Um, but then one of the other very top ones was seeing firsthand, pe seeing firsthand people living out a genuine faith or spirituality. That was one of the top ones that gave people interest or attracted them um, to faith, to faith in Jesus. So it wasn't necessarily 
street evangelism, and I'm not knocking that, but one of the top things was actually something that all of us can do, whether we feel confident with evangelism or not, is actually people seeing firsthand you living out genuinely your faith and your belief in Jesus and all the things that we do in life as we draw closer to Jesus. This is what is one of the top attractors to Jesus. It was 66%. So if we think about the people in our life, now we've got an over half strike weight of reaching people for Jesus. Of all the people in our life, in our workplace, in our neighbours, and all that stuff, if we are living our lives for Jesus and people are seeing that, we've got a 66%, maybe, you know. It's pretty good ratio. But back to Palmerston North. Why plant a church in Palmerston North? So Papuoya, Palmerston North, needs the hope of Jesus through us. And there are around 84,000 people living in Palmerston North, um, probably a little bit more now. That is 2018 census data. And going off our national statistics... And just overlaying that over Palmerston North's 84,000 people, 33% of people would identify as Christians. So in Palmerston North, that's 27,720 people out of 84,000 would call themselves a Christian. 16%, you can see that on here in the Christian category, it's the greenies, 16% of that 30, so 16% of, uh, I've got myself confused now, just let me read my notes. Yeah, 16% of the total, thank you Sam, belong to a church. They would say they belong or they are connected to a church. So that is 4,435 people, if we put that into Palmerston North numbers. Um, say they belong to church. And 9% of people say that they are actively involved, they actively attend a church. And that is 2,494 people. So do we need more churches in Palmerston North? I think think we do. (laughs) That's around 7,000 people in Palmerston North connected to a church. I had to do my maths a lot on this because I thought I must be wrong. But I did do these statistics a long time ago and they I double-checked them, double-checked them. They were correct, but I rechecked them and rechecked them again when I was preparing this to make sure I was correct still. So less than um, half of the 7,000 people connected to church in Palmerston North um, are regulars out of 84,000 people. And these statistics are actually old. This is from 2018. There's new statistics coming out um, in 20... Well, now, 2024. We're in 2024 in May. Those are when we will see the results of last year's census. So I suspect that Palmerston North has grown... Um, But if we carry on with the trend that we've been having in New Zealand, our faith faith statistics are slipping backwards. But the good news is that globally, 
our faith statistics are rising. But it's just something that's happening in the West that our faith statistics are sliding a bit backwards. So do we need more churches in Palmerston North? I think we do. And I just thought it was interesting that if we think about new churches in Palmerston North, wouldn't it be great if the around 20,000 um, potentially disconnected Christians in Palmerston North wanted to come back to church? Wouldn't that be great? And we need somewhere for them to call home, don't we? And I'm not sure if we'd have that at the moment. And that's not thinking about the 50 to 60,000 people who may be interested in connecting with Jesus as well. So why Kurimako? Why does the Church of Palmerston North need us? So I mentioned last year um, in a message the beautiful picture from Revelations that... Um, John had, where he sees people from every tribe, tongue, and nation all worshipping in unity together. And I just made um, the thought that God is too big to be defined as one culture, that every culture expresses a beautiful part of our God. And I just wonder if church is like that as well, that the multiple expressions that we have across the body of Christ is like the expressions of God's beauty. And so with kurimakoa, a kurimakoa is native to New Zealand, isn't it? If we think about the bird, as is its song. And just like people from different parts of Aotearoa um, we can have a bit of a different dialect. If we think about people from um, Southland, they roll their R's. And the kurimako birds, they also have this. They have different dialects in different regions, which means they have different songs. And I think it's a beautiful picture of ourself. Not only do we have a different song as a nation, as the Church of Aotearoa, but we also have our own song, our own unique song, our own expression of God's beauty here at Kurimako. We enrich the flavour of the stew. So just as I'm coming towards finishing, I love the church. I love this church. And I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But there's something beautiful God does in our midst when we love each other well. And as I finish, I just want to read something that brought me great encouragement. It's the tail end of an article written by Lyndon Drake, if you've heard of him. He's part of the Māori Anglican Church. And um, this is out of an article he wrote, Why We Need the Church, and it's just the tail end of it. Um, it's the last thing that I want to say, so I just wondered if you might stand while I read this part um, and just, yeah, just listen to its words. As a church minister, I can assure you that I am deeply, daily and devoutly aware of the failings of the church and its people, and I include myself in this gloomy assessment. 
But can we draw some comfort from the extraordinary success of the institution Jesus established some 2,000 years ago? No other institution has ever had such an impact on the world. As a pastor, can I pass on to you a challenge from another pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer? In his classic work, Life Together, he cautions against rejecting the church because of its many flawed people. To do so, Bonhoeffer argues, is a form of idealism that is actually idolatry because it means that we desire a church that differs from the church Christ gave up his life for. To reject the church or to dream of a different one is to wish that Jesus had made a different sacrifice and in the end is to substitute a God of our own desire for, for the one true God. In the disappointments of church life, I often turn back to Bonhoeffer's book to remind me that I follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus means to follow the choices Jesus made. And in the church is Jesus' dearly loved bride. If I am to love Jesus, I am compelled to love his church. And like Jesus, to forgive its flaws and devote myself sacrificially to its flourishing. Jesus has made the church the symbol and source of hope in the world. I would be a fool to abandon it. The path Jesus walked before me now, oh, sorry, the path walked before me, the path Jesus walked before me calls me now to give my life in sacrificial service to his church. That is the path my family and I have chosen, and I pray that you will too. I'm just going to pray to finish. Lord, we just thank you for your love and we thank you that you are the hope of the world and we thank you that you want to use us to be part of the hope and the love that you want to give to the world. So just as a church today, Lord, we outstretch our hands to you to say, use us, use us, Lord. Use us to bring your hope to Palmerston North. Use us to bring your hope beyond Palmerston North. Lord, would you stir within us um, a fresh desire to build your kingdom, to see people coming into relationship with you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm.